big hand for what he's going to do in our life today. Amen. Come on. Say Jesus. Everybody smile. Uh, we want to say hello to all our campuses, uh, City Heights, San Isidro, East County, San Marcos, Donovan State Prison, Juvenile Hall, and all the people watching online. Let's give them a big hand, big hand out there. And hello to the military. Hello to the military. Let's give a big hand to the military out there. God bless y'all. Welcome to the Rock. My name is Miles, and the pastor. And every day when we pray before our service, we pray that God uh, would prepare our heart for what we're going to talk about, for what He's going to do in your life and through your life. Uh, today we're going to talk about. Uh, we have here three stories of people who were raped, molested, uh, two girls and a guy, and they're going to share their story, how uh, what tragedy they went through, and how God is delivering them. It's a process. Amen. Uh, one in five women will be raped in their life, one in seven men, and only 30%, 25% are reported. So those numbers are estimated guesses. Uh, so a lot of y'all, thousands today in our church alone are victims, have been victims. But you don't need to live a victim. God wants to deliver you. So today we're praying that God would bring about an incredible healing in your life and do something amazing in your life. Can I get an Amen. Uh, there are many of y'all who are holding this secret, and um, you haven't told anybody. It's time to tell somebody. It's time to get help. It's time to open up. It's time to uh, release it to God at another level than more than you have. Amen. Some of you are mad at God. It's time to let that go. God didn't do it. He wants to heal you. He wants to love you through it. And so let's all bow for a word of prayer. Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Lord, it's going to be heavy today, but it's going to be good. The devil's evil, but you are better than his evil. You are powerful. He's a destroyer. You are a life giver. And so we pray for miracles in people's lives. Everyone say miracles. We pray for miracles in people's lives. We pray that chains that have been placed people in bondage for decades will be broken today. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm praying for you. You may be seated. Uh, before we uh, lift our Bibles up, every Saturday we have prayer, and I know it was announced in all the campuses, and I go to different campuses every Saturday. When I was in East County campus yesterday, God challenged me to challenge 100 men from every campus to go to prayer next Saturday, 100 men who haven't been going. And for Point Loma, 200 men, probably should be 300, because there's more people here, so um, my challenge is to all you guys who haven't been going to prayer, um, you need to go to prayer. I, take, don't take this wrong, but it is very frustrating for ministers to hear people complain about God not doing X, Y, and Z, but yet you're not doing what you're supposed to do. And you want miracles to happen in your life, you want deliverance in your life, but you're not praying, you're not reading the Bible, you're not going to life class, you're not in a group, you just walk around expecting God to just bless you. And so I want to challenge 100 men. Ladies, can I get an amen? Uh, if, you, if ladies, if you're saying, how can you not challenge the ladies? You can come. Just, just bear with me. I'm trying to get on the fellas so you can get a good man one day, okay? <laughs> I'm, try, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to strengthen up the pool of, opportun- of, of available brothers for you, okay? So work with me. <laughs> so in a minute, I'm going to ask uh, some guys to raise their hand and say, you know what? I have been going, but I'm going to go Saturday. And by the way, it's not only prayer Saturday, but what we do on Saturday teaches you how to pray for the rest of the week. 
So in, in a few seconds, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I don't want you to, I want you to raise your hand because you really think I'm going to do it. Amen. So how many guys in here, you haven't been going, but you're going to come this Saturday to whatever campus you're at. Just raise your hand. Let me get it. Let me get it. High, real high, real high, real high, real high, real high. Okay. 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 You know, you hear this saying, if one person's changed, it's all worth it. Uh-uh. It needs, we need more. And so <laughs> I know there's a whole lot more because <laughs> I know what's going on in y'all's lives. So I'm going to try this one more time. Come on. Raise your hand if you're going to come Saturday. Come on, guys. Okay, okay, okay. All right, all right, all right, all right. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. One in every five women and one in every seven men will be raped in their lifetime. Approximately 30% are never reported or only or, or reported. 70% or so are not reported. And there are many people walking around silently suffering. And in that silent suffering, the devil is lying to you. Nothing he tells you is true. And one of those lies is that you're all alone. God singled you out. No one understands. And you're not worth living. You're damaged goods. You're dirty. And you need to crawl in a hole. As a matter of fact, why don't you just kill yourself? Let me read something to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. No burden has overtaken you except what is common to man. You are not alone. You are not by a far stretch the only one, even close. It says, but God is faithful. Everyone say, God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted or burdened beyond what you were able to stand. But with every temptation, God will make a way for escape that you may be able to bear underneath it. Everything that happens to you, God is able to get you through. One of the most popular verses, Philippians 4.13, I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That does not mean you could do whatever you want. I worked out yesterday with my son who was training and, and, and it was a, he was, we were being worked out by a Navy SEAL. And I was not able to do what the Navy SEAL was able to do. And while he was way over there running, I was... <laughs> I was like, Philippians 4.13, and the Bible said, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> that don't apply. I was like, okay, I can't do 75 burpees right now. I get it. I get it. That's not what it means. It means God will spiritually get you through whatever you need to get through. Uh, we're going to have three amazing young people come here and share their story about what they went through. Michaela, Danica, and Kevin are going to share the story of how they went through hell and how God got them through and God is still getting them through. So give us, give a big hand to Michaela, rather, Danica, and Kevin. Come on up. Let's give a big hand. Come on. Come on, Rock. Let's give a big hand. Come on now. God bless you. 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 Hey, okay, so tell, introduce yourself and tell everybody how old you are, or really how young you are, because you guys are young. My name is Danica Waitley, and I'm 21 years old. I'm Michaela Dodd, and I'm 23. And I am Kevin Abel, and I am 29. 29. And, and you know, the stigma when guys are molested is that, you know, you're a man, you're not supposed to let this happen to you, so we applaud you for coming up here as a guy, because so many guys do not want to talk about it. 
they're going to share the story. The Holy Spirit's going to speak to you about all kinds of things. Some of you may have been through exactly what they've gone through. Some of you may have been through something that has nothing related, but you had the same shameful result. And the Holy Spirit wants to set you free. Amen? Today. Today, we want to pray for you. Today. So, tell us what happened to you. When I was 15, my friend invited me to this party with all of her relatives, and she wanted a friend there because nobody was going to be her age. Um, So I went... And we went out for a walk while it was still light out. I think it was around maybe 6 o'clock. Um, and two guys walked past us. We had sat down at this point. Um, you were outside. We were outside in like kind of this green belt area. And we had sat down and these two guys walked past us. And then they came back from behind and kidnapped both of us. And kidnapped you means they... Um, one of them had a knife like up to the other girl's neck, and the other one tied a, basically a gag around um, my mouth. And took you where? Uh, they took us across the street to this hill where um, there was a lot of bushes and trees, so it was covered. So you just walked? Yes. Okay, you just walked across. Mm-hmm. And then they, they assaulted you there? Yes. And that was about a 45-minute ordeal? Yeah. During that experience, something pretty wild happened while you were in the, in the midst of going through that. Right. Uh, In the middle of everything, um, it was almost like God was speaking to me, but it wasn't with words. It was with more of a feeling. Uh, I was just overcome with this reassurance, and I just, I knew that everything was going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And? (laughs) Um, And then, so uh, So, I... While you were having this presence, he he directed you to do something. mm -hmm. He directed me to start... um, almost taking notes and just taking in everything that I possibly could, like the location, uh, what they were wearing, the design of the logo, and specifically the knife, what the knife looked like. It was very interesting. It was kind of square. So I thought I would just stare at it um, and memorize it so that I could, because I just felt like I had to. It's pretty amazing to be in the midst of something so traumatic and be so clear. And I know that's not... Uh, and I would assume that's not normal or, or a- average. Uh, okay. And we're going to get to in a minute what happened to those guys. Uh, how about you? Tell us your story. Um, so I was violated for the first time when I was 18 months old. Um, I don't remember it, and it didn't affect me until I was 8 years old. So so 18 months, it was a babysitter? It was actually a neighbor. Okay. Mm-hmm. My parents would let me stay over at their house. But you knew something happened. Yeah, yeah. I told my parents the second I came home that something wrong had happened, and they took me straight to the hospital. And then what happened after that? Did they, they uh, arrest the guy? Well, they brought him in for questioning, but um, since I couldn't name the time and place, he got a little mark on his record. He did get a mark on his record, mm-hmm. and he was a repeat offender. He was a repeat offender. Okay. That was the first time. That was the first time. Uh, second time was when I was 14. I was raped by a classmate from a different school. Um, a get-together at my house. My parents were out of town. And he stayed later uh, than all my other friends. They found out to target me. Did you know him before that day? No. So all these people came to your house. Your parents were out of town. He comes over, he comes over with people, and he stays late. Yep. After everyone leaves, then he assaults you in your house. Mm-hmm. One time. One time. Okay, and what happened to him? I didn't tell anyone. 
So I kept it a secret and pretended like nothing had happened for years. And I, yeah. So that was when you were 14? That was when I was 14. And how long did you keep it a secret? Till I was 18, I told my mom. And what did your mom do? Um, she prayed with me. She encouraged me to um, tell the police or press charges, but I just didn't feel comfortable at the time. But she kind of walked me through it and encouraged me and um, prayed for me and helped me to process what had happened. Do you know him? Is he still around? Do you see him? No. He's in San, you don't know if he's in San Diego or not? I don't know. Well, I grew up in Colorado. I don't, I, don't, I don't know where he is. Small town. He was in an adjacent town. Gotcha. So I haven't really okay. paid attention. Okay. That's the second time. Second time. Third time. Third time. I was 19 years old. Um, I was working at a pool as an assistant manager. I came later at about 9 p.m. to, uh, I thought I left my Nook reader there. And I heard a cry for help over near an alley that was close by. And my lifeguard instincts just kicked in, kicked off my shoes, ran over there. And I um, saw a man walking towards me with a knife. Someone else grabbed me. And I was assaulted by several men um, and uh, beaten very severely and barely made it out. So. And what happened after that? Did you tell anybody? I did. I did. I couldn't really hide that one. Um, had to kind of stumble over, uh, and several people saw me, called the police, called my parents, uh, took me to the hospital, um, and I did tell about the physical assault. I didn't divulge the sexual assault until years later. So you only told part of the story? I only told part of the story. Did those guys get caught? Nope. Never caught. No suspects. Nothing. Completely. The two guys that raped you and your friend, they got caught? Yeah, they got caught. Uh, we went through a trial, and they both got 50 years to life. Amen. In your situation, right after it happened, you immediately told, because when, when, after it happened, your parents were looking for you because you were gone, right? Uh, yeah, my friend's parents. Your friend's parents. Um, they were circling the neighborhood because they had known something was wrong because we just said we were going to go for a quick walk. Um, so apparently they were circling the entire time, um, and when the two guys let us go, we walked down the hill, and then they just happened to be right there. Um, so we got in the car immediately, and then I told them everything. I told them, the police came, and how soon after that did they apprehend the two guys? Um, within, like, two months. They, they found them pretty fast. Two months? I don't really remember. Okay. But it was, was they found well, him really fast, but it took a while to get the confession and right. to actually convict them. Right, so. right. And that was like a year plus with the trial and everything. Yeah, the trial didn't happen until a year later. So everything happens really, really slowly. So even though they right. found them, they weren't officially right. convicted until it was okay. probably about one month. But oh, Charged. Okay, gotcha. Uh, yes. Okay, okay. Kevin, thanks for coming, man. Thanks Thank for, you for There's having a me. lot of guys here today who... Um, I pray are going to be very liberated to say something because of you being here. Because, um, you know, the stigma is that you're supposed to be a guy. You're not supposed to let this happen to you. And, and uh, thanks for coming up here and, and sharing. Thank you. Tell us your story. Yeah. Um, when I was seven years old, I had just moved to a new school. Grew up in public school. Went to a school for kindergarten and for first grade and moved to another school uh, in second grade. 
And um, I had an older student uh, take me into a, behind a building and uh, sexually abuse me behind a building once. Um, new to school, didn't know anybody, didn't have any friends. Uh, and then I don't remember how uh, far apart the second time was, but soon after that, it was another day, uh, took me into a bathroom stall and did it again. Um, and that was, uh, yeah, seven years old. And when did you realize that it was something that shouldn't have been done? Because when a little kid, you're not sure, you know, this is, you feel it's wrong, but you might not be sure. Yeah, so when I was seven, you know, and that was taking place, I didn't really realize the severity of what was going on. And it wasn't probably until fifth or sixth grade when, you know, you grow up in a, in a public school, there's a lot of sexual innuendos, a lot of sexual joking going on. That happens and, in Christian school too, by the way, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to tell you, let yeah, me tell yeah. you. Just being a kid, being yeah, a kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, well, when, when those jokes are being said, and at a younger age, just a couple years later, I connected the two and said, they're joking about what happened to me. And immediately uh, I, I felt just trashed, abused. Uh, I just, I, I, I lost every sense of confidence, self-esteem. Uh, I just totally train wrecked, um, realizing that what they were making fun of was something I went through. Um, the Bible says that God made us all in his image. Every single one of us is in his image. It means we have the ability to have a relationship with God. We have ability through that relationship to demonstrate his power, his love, his compassion, his creativity. What the devil knows is that because we were made in the image of God, we, we are God's image on earth, and the devil hates God. He can't fight God, so he fights his image, which is us. And one of the things he does is he scars us so we would hate ourselves or destroy ourselves, or he will entice us to do something he knows will destroy or scar the image. Are y'all following me? Shame, guilt is I did something wrong. Shame, which is what he's describing, is I am something wrong. Well, God made you in his image, so you're not something wrong. The devil wants to do things in your life that will cause you to feel shame that I am something wrong and cause you to voluntarily self-destruct the image of God in your life or put the great image that God has made in you under a bushel. And the great light that you can be to the world under a bushel. And so he does stuff to you. Now, sometimes we do things to ourselves to shame ourselves. We've done things. We say, man, I, did, I, I shouldn't have done that. And sometimes in the, in the process of doing the things that shame the image of God, that, that, that scar the image of God, we think we're doing something good. For example, this is a sexual issue, so we'll talk about sex. So many people have sex outside of marriage because that's just what culture does. God said, I don't want you doing that. We say, well, God, we know better. When that was happening to Kevin, Kevin's like, I don't know what this means. The devil says, I know exactly what this means. So when you're doing what you want to do, not what God wants to do, you're saying, I know what this means. The devil says, no, you don't. God is trying to protect you. He knows what's right. And what happens is you have these micro offenses, the small, tiny offenses throughout your life. And next thing you know, you'll, instead of demonstrating the glory of God in your life, you're over here jacked up and you don't know why. It's because you just kept disobeying. And what God, what God does, he can restore that. He could say, one, for the things you voluntarily did, I want to forgive. For the things that were done to you, I want to bring healing. Are y'all following me? And so this is an extreme one-time 
two, three-time event that can bring a deep scar, and then from that deep scar, your, your life can go in a whole different direction from what he originally designed. I want y'all to talk about that because it's one thing to say this happened in that 45 minutes, in that few minutes. And then it's another thing to say, here's how it hurt me, and here's the battle I've been on. So talk about that, what happened after. Uh, well, I, because of my particular experience where I felt, you know, the presence of God, that was able to help me through a lot of it. Um, I never went through um, really any of the shame or the guilt because I knew God was with me the entire time. Um, not to say I didn't struggle, though. I do, um, I already had a little bit of, you know, social anxiety. High schoolers tend to have a mild degree of that, um, but it was definitely heightened. I uh, have been diagnosed with PTSD. Um, even to this day, or at least a year ago is the last time I noted one, um, I get a little freaked out when people kind of come up from behind me because that is how it initially happened. I was at a drinking fountain and somebody just came up in line and they came up a little bit too close and I kind of had a moment, but I've learned to deal with it. Um, I, I pray about it. God helps me. He, I, you know, can talk myself through it and calm down in a much faster pace than when I was 15 and something like that would happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How is your PTSD? How are you dealing with that now? You going to counseling or anything like that? Um, I went to counseling when I was, uh, when right after it happened for about a year. I don't do it anymore because um, she had taught me strategies, mm-hmm. things to do, things mm-hmm. to just take note of, like take in my environment and just take deep breaths, think about things that are real and think about things that you're making up in your head. Mm-hmm. What, did God, what is God teaching you in your life now since that happened? You felt this presence when it happened, which is, which is pretty amazing. Even I've heard that before. And now he's getting you through your PTSD. What is, what is he, how is he using all that drama in your life? I think um, what I've learned is just, I'm a big believer in the philosophy that everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and so God has been with me. I was a Christian at a very, very young age, and I know... Looking back on it, he was preparing me for it the entire time with, like, I don't know, music I would listen to, the church that I was in at the time. And I just looked back on it, and he was there, like, the mm. entire time showing mm. me things, um, exposing me to things that I used as, like, a blanket or, like, mm. a crutch when, whenever I needed it. Um, so I learned a lot, and he's still helping me today. And just the fact that he's everywhere, and he's taken, he's already taken everything into account. So... And this is not at all to say God caused it to happen. No, no, at of all. course We're not. We're not saying that at all. You, Absolutely not. You've had three incidences, and I got to believe at some point you're saying, okay, God, once, twice, three times? Tell me how you process that with God. Well, after getting raped when I was 14, I started to think um, that God had forsaken me, that I had done something wrong and I wasn't worth his love. So I just, um, I started to have self-esteem issues, um, struggled with depression, struggled with cutting, struggled with um, just same thing, social anxiety. Um, Then when I was raped when I was 19, I started to think, wow, something's really wrong with me. There's a target on my head. I'm doing something wrong. God's punishing me. I even said that. Um, And I just convinced myself that it was my fault. Um, I also... One of the police officers, in good faith, had told me that um, I was too gullible, and that might have been 
what had caused me to be attacked. And there's that really struggled. I really struggled with that. And um, up until recently, I, I was able to let that go. But it was that same philosophy that I had, I had done this to myself. I was weak. I wasn't able to fight back the way that I should have. Uh, can I say one thing? If, if you've ever had any thought that it's your fault, nothing you can do to justify someone doing that to you. Can I get amen? And so don't let the devil put that lie in your head. You could always, 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 always second guess, like, shouldn't have gone here, shouldn't have gone there. We could do that for everything in our life. Don't, don't, even, don't, don't even entertain those thoughts. Someone very evil and sinful did something to you that they shouldn't have done. End of story. They're wrong and you're a victim. Okay? Amen? Amen. 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 You go through this, but you're thinking what towards God? I was really mad. I, I felt yeah. abandoned. I felt, um, yeah, I was really mad. Why would you do this to me? I convinced myself that. And you are acting out. Right. I was acting out in a lot of different ways, partying um, with men, just going totally out of my character. Uh, because I thought that that was how I would earn love. I thought I had to earn it. And I felt like I was damaged goods. Why would any um, man that's amazing, why would anybody that was good want me? Because I'm damaged. So I sought out different relationships and different situations in which I was getting this negative attention because that made me feel, oh, this is what affection is. And, and so, so I overcompensate. So you're using sexuality to try to get, get guys because you didn't feel that you were worthy of just being loved for who you are. Absolutely. Uh, self-destruction. The devil wants you to think you're less than who God made you. He wants to cheapen your view of who you are in your own eyes, and then you'll live down to that low expectation, and you'll destroy yourself. And the devil will do it in a drastic event, or he'll do it a little bit over time. And when you read the Bible and you read the awesome promises God has for you, many of you probably don't believe it because you don't believe you're worthy of those promises. You're not. We're not. None of us are worthy of it. It's, it's just because God loves us, but he does love us that much. And he wants to shower us with that. But what we do is we walk away from it. We don't even ask for it. We don't even have faith to receive because we have such a low view of ourselves because the devil has planted junk in our head. I don't know any human, including myself, that has, has no version of that. So it doesn't have to be from this traumatic experience. The devil has 8 million ways to destroy the image, our perception of the image of God. And we, we have to be the first ones to say, I get it. God has more for me. God, please uh, take my pain. I surrender it to you. Or forgive me for the things that I have done. These are not things they did. But there may be something else you've done. You've done in self-destructive behavior. Forgive me for that because I want to be and live the life you created me to live. Amen? Kevin, you, you had um, some, some fallout from your behavior as well. Or yeah. from your event, I should say. Um, yeah. When, kind of what I was saying, when I realized what, what was going on, what had happened, um, falling into, you know, depression and, and self-worth was, was down to an absolute zero. I, I felt absolutely zero self-worth for myself. Um, engaging in relationships was nearly impossible because I had no idea who I was. All I thought of myself was trash, used, wasted, no good. And I would actually 
I became a compulsive liar to people just to overperform who I was so I could fit into relationships. And this is growing up in school. Uh, and if I hung out with people who did drugs, I did drugs, even though I didn't. And if I hung out with people who really liked bikes, I was the best bike rider and I could do all the greatest things so you could accept me, so you could find favor. And, but what I really felt was they saw the, the wastedness. They felt that way towards me, how I felt. So I had to overperform. And it led me to, I, I remember a few times I, I tried to kill myself. I sat in my kitchen, home alone, and held a 12-inch blade to my throat and was just done with it. I was, I was so, so hurt and, and pain. It was just so, so painful and, and growing, growing up, getting older and older, being a man, a young man, it, it, pride in the world tells you you got to be strong, you have to be big, and this stuff doesn't happen to men, so you can't tell this to anybody. You're all by yourself. Nobody can relate to what you're going through. And it made me feel alone for decades you try to kill yourself, try to kill yourself, you know, you try to kill yourself. And that's the ultimate hammer for the devil is for you to actually destroy, destroy the image of God yourself. That's what the devil wants, complete destruction. And if it takes you 10 years, 20 years, however long it takes, that's what he wants. I want to talk about victory because we all go through our valley, but then God is big. Tell us what you're doing now and the victory God has in your life now. Uh, well, about a year ago, I got hired as a full-time animal trainer, uh, which has always been a dream of mine. So I'm in the Pets World show at SeaWorld, uh, five got, days a week. A picture. That's me. Um, I absolutely love, love, love my job. I've met the most amazing people that I've really connected with, and I really feel like I have another family now, and it's, it's great. Good, 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 good. <laughs> Michaela? Um, I am happily married. I've been married for a year and four months. Amen. Um, you got a picture? Yeah. Maybe? Yeah, and there's my puppy. Um, so God blessed me with a man, a godly man who loves me for my spirit, my heart, not just my body, which is something that Amen. I thought I had to do. Amen. 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 Well, victory, victory came to me in, in my previous statement. I said I've been going through something for decades. It's true. I held on to this for 20 years. I didn't tell anybody until I was 27. That was two years ago. So this is all still kind of fresh to me. And I, the, my wife was the first person I told. We've been uh, married for a year and six months tomorrow. Um, yeah. She, uh, she was the first person I told out of pure brokenness um, because the Lord was calling me to lift a burden that was not mine to carry. And I carried for something for 20 years. And it wasn't until I told somebody, I talked to somebody about it, that I felt the presence of God just come over me and power was restored. And I was walking in his identity for me. What, what, the identity that, was, that I couldn't find for myself. I tried to find my identity in other relationships. But he revealed to me at the cross that he died because he saw purpose and favor in me. And he needed to remove the sin. And now I see myself how he sees me and it doesn't mean I don't struggle with with you know trying to fit in or you know stuff still comes but now I can come saying God I know who you say that I am mm -hmm. and I can walk in amen. that amen 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 
both Michaela and Kevin work here at the Rock Church. And, and what I want to uh, challenge also you in is that the devil will tell you that you are not qualified to do certain things. You're not even qualified to ask for blessings in prayer. Who are you to ask for God to bless you with a husband or a wife or a job or a career or purpose or clarity? Who are you to pray to God? Look what happened to you. That's what the devil's going to tell you. Anything to destroy your relationship with God because you were created for a relationship. It's in the context of relationship that all the blessings happen. God wants, the devil wants to destroy that relationship any way he can. And so in a minute, in a minute we're going to pray because I know there are many of you out there who are carrying a burden. It could be related to something like this or it could be related to something unrelated. But the result is the same. You have a broken relationship with God and he wants to restore it. You may feel suicidal. You may be fighting with anxiety or depression or drug addiction or pornography. Matter of fact, before we start, we're going to put a link up on the screen. If you can write this down or memorize this really easy, this is going to have a list of resources for you for pornography, for molestation, for rape, for suicide and depression. Uh, just text victory to 52525. It's a great word, victory. And all of y'all I know know somebody who this can help. Be a minister and just send this to somebody. Just say, hey, look, I know you're struggling with somebody. Why don't you text this number and they'll give you resources. Amen? All of y'all God loves and all of you God wants to have a powerful relationship with you. Every single one of you is a target of the devil. Every single one of you, the devil's trying to destroy the image of God and your ability to put yourself in a position for the glory of God to flow through your life. He wants you to stay away from God. He wants you not to pray. He wants you not to have faith. He wants you not to read your Bible. He wants you not to take steps of faith. He wants you just to put yourself in the corner, however he can do that. But I want to pray and proclaim victory in your life today that God is going to break you out. And that God, that today you are going to say, I am going to break these chains that have been holding me down, whether it's from something related to what they talked about or something other else in your life. Some of you have addictions in your life, whether it be drugs, alcohol, pornography, whatever it is, anger, abuse. You're abusing someone. And by the way, just as I know there are people in our buildings, all of our buildings, every single one who have been victim victims, male and female who have been sexually assaulted, I also believe with all my heart they are victimizers. People who have done this to people and you have not been caught and you have not confessed and you are active. My prayer is that God would find you out. What he does to you, that's up to him. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So I'm not going to pronounce anything on you because God's plan is not my ways. But that God would find you out. In the least, you would say, someone help me. Because you're here at church praising God and all this stuff and you're offending, destroying people. You are a tool of the devil and when you're doing this. So my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would convict you and that you would get your life right with God. Because just because man doesn't know doesn't mean God doesn't know. And the longer you wait, the worse it's going to be. But if you come and confess to God, God will deal with you mercifully, but according to his mercy, not ours, because you don't want ours. You don't want to fall into the hands of angry man. You better fall into the hands of a merciful God. So in a minute, we're going to pray. And my prayer is for for this. Some of y'all in here are dealing with burdens in this area. Some of you are dealing with burdens in other areas. It doesn't matter. God wants to set you free. The devil wants to keep you down. God wants to set you free. He is. His plans for you are more than you can ask or imagine. But he, but he has to have a relationship with you where you trust him. 
So on all the campuses, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're watching online, if you're in prison, bow your heads and close your eyes. We serve a God who's a healer. One of his names is the great physician. He's a God of hope. He's a God of another chance. He's a God of Prince of Peace. It doesn't matter why you have this burden. It doesn't matter what your sin is. It doesn't matter what your pain is. It doesn't matter what your bondage is. If you would like to be set free of the pain of things done to you and the things that, or the sin of the things you have done, whatever it is, I want you to pray this prayer with me. It's a prayer of surrender. It's a prayer of release. The Bible says, cast all your cares on him because he does care for you. So if you would like to surrender, pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. Pray, dear God, I surrender my pain. I surrender my sin, whatever that is. I surrender my broken relationship with you. I know Jesus died and rose from the dead that I could be forgiven and restored and encouraged. So Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I surrender my burden to you. Forgive me for the things I did wrong, but heal me from the things that were done to me. Heal me, God. Send someone into my life to encourage me. Thank you, God. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, in a minute I'm going to ask you to stand if you prayed that prayer for whatever reason. If you have had something done to you and you prayed for comfort, you're going to ask you to stand. If you if you just saying, Lord, I just want you to forgive me for things I've done, we're going to ask you to stand all one prayer. So for whatever reason you prayed that prayer, we're going to ask you to stand here in about 30 seconds. If you want someone to stand with you, someone in your family, just grab their hand and squeeze their hand. And by doing that, you're communicating to them, please stand with me. You are not admitting anything other than you are human. And I want Jesus in my life.